0: everybody. This is John Norris, your host of Trading Perspectives. And as always, our co-host, Sam. Sam, say hello. Hey, John. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Well, fantastic. I'm doing great today, too. And perhaps not surprisingly, we've had a lot of people ask us, not just in the hallways, but for me out in the grocery store, out out and about town, about what's exactly going to happen next week and what's going to happen to the markets and the economy because of, drumroll please, the midterm elections. It's a good topic. You think it's a good topic? I think it is. Well, I think a lot try- of people are asking about it. Well, a lot of people are asking about it. Generally, we try to stay away from politics here at Trading Perspectives. Uh, but after we get finished talking about the midterm elections, I'm going to talk a little bit about theology. And, uh, I like yeah, that. You, you like that? Some predestination. <laughs> well, I was predestined to be a Presbyterian or a Corp. <laughs> uh, but uh, But in all seriousness, though... Um, we are going to talk about the midterm elections, going to try to stay as apolitical as is possible and just focus really what on the potential is for the for the economy and the markets and what have you. And I do also have to start by saying the comments expressed from this point on are the opinions of Sam Clement and John Norris and not necessarily those of Oakworth Capital Bank, its directors, associates, and all of that good stuff. So Sam, I've been thinking about next Tuesday uh, quite a bit recently. And people, uh, people have, who have asked me about what I think kind of take a look at me and kind of stunned silence as though I'm being perhaps a little bit cavalier when I tell them my thoughts about what I think the prospects for the midterm elections are. And I say the worst case scenario that I can think of after running, I don't know how many different simulations in, in my head, Sam, Sam, uh, a CFA candidate or maybe someone of a very high-minded financial background would say that I've been doing... Monte Carlo, Monte Carlo simulations in my head regarding the midterm elections, and I keep coming back out with the probable case scenario might just be political gridlock in Washington for the next two years. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and lay out the numbers right now. of What the odds are? All right, I'm going to right let you lay out the numbers. Come on, buddy. Right now, there's about a six and seven chance that the Democrats take the House. About what what, what kind of what kind of chance? Six and seven chance. Okay. And right now there's about a six and seven chance that the Democrats lose the Senate or don't gain the Senate. Yeah, I got you. So So, pretty good chance
0: of stalwart. If we're just looking at stats or taking a look at the current odds, um, that's the probable case scenario is Democrats control one house of the Congress but don't uh, control the other. And the Republicans, at least nominally, control 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, meaning that very little will get done on Capitol Hill. And that means even less things for the uh, president to sign off on uh, in the White House.
1: And I think a lot of it depends on how dominantly the Democrats win the House, if they do win it. Well, I I mean, if if it's pretty close, a very slight majority Mm -hmm. for the Democrats in the House, I think a little bit more will get done than obviously if it's.
0: Just a blowout. Well, let me let me ask you about that. It's uh, you know, I'm I'm older than you are. You might not have the benefit of uh, you don't have the benefit of all all the years of just simply walking around on the earth. And I'm not trying to sit back and wax nostalgic or look at the world, you know, look at the past with the rose-colored glasses. But I can't remember a time in my adult life when the two political parties seemed to be at each other's throats and as far apart as they currently are. So I hear what you're saying about whether if the if the majority for either either party sure. is slim, that there's greater chance for what you would call bipartisan economic policy moving forward. right. I guess you would have a greater chance of that, but I gosh, I mean I sit there and i take a look at the headlines and all the commentary and, and the like and it just seems as though the two parties officially are as far apart now as they've ever been. I mean and this is me as a 50 year old talking. I can't believe I just admitted my age, but I'm 50 years of age. Sam, but you knew that already. I knew that. Sam's 22. Um, I'm saying that as a 50-year-old. What do people of your generation, how do they view the back and forth, the political repartee, if you will? It seems like
1: a lot of younger people are just kind of staying away from it in general.
0: Well, is that good to have young people, people of your generation? I believe we've established that you're Generation Z. Uh, is it good for the people to tune out? I don't know I, uh, well <laughs> I mean I don't know I'm not sure it is I'm not sure it I, is. I would say
1: it's probably not the best thing Well, but we, I think people are just tired of like you talked about the polarization of it right now
0: well it's and this is where, this is where I'm, I'm delving into maybe more political commentary than anything else. I would say that the vast majority of Americans are someplace in that middle. You have 20% that are always going to vote for Democrats, 20% are always going to vote for Republicans, or maybe even 30%. I'd say 30 And so, so that leaves the great 40% there in the middle, which would, be a, which would be a plurality, but if not a majority, of the folks that are someplace in the middle that would depend on any given election or, or just what have you. And I would say this because I, I personally feel as though I fall on that 40% that the extreme natures of the parties now are very off-putting to us. And, and I'm scared that if people of your generation are tuning out politically and people such as myself are increasingly tuning out to political discussion.
1: Right. It allows us 30%
0: on each side to and, kind of have more of a say. Then. And, that, and that's, that's where I think the problem is. Um, but in terms of, uh, But in terms of the economy, in terms of the markets, um, you know, we can discuss whether or not we're going to phase out the, um, you know, conservative Democrats or the liberal Republicans. We can talk about that as, as much as we want, and I'm not sure we're going to come to a good conclusion on this. I just keep coming back to the midterm elections, even if we can trust the polls. I mean, I think 2016— Yeah, I think,
1: I think the polls have been a little broken since 2016. <laughs> <laughs> a little hard to trust.
0: Yeah, a little hard to trust. <laughs> or are they giving
1: her ninety-five percent chance of
0: winning? Well, some, if something, like, I mean, if not even a little bit higher than that, I mean, the poll system seems to be broken. Um, and I go to a website, and I've, I've, I'm not getting paid by these folks, but there's a website called RealClearPolitics.com. You ever heard of it? I have. And you go in there and you can take a look at all these number of different polls and what have you, and even polls on, like, the presidential approval or the approval of this, that, and the other thing. There's a bunch of different polling organizations. We're all familiar with Gallup, of course. Uh, Quinnipiac is another one. The Economist, I think, with well, The right. Economist is one yeah. of your favorite publications.
1: Yeah. 538 they, is yeah. another one I
0: like. And The Washington Post does them. There are a number of different polling organizations, and I can... I can almost tell the bias, and now with even in the polls, I can I can go there and take a look at one particular poll, and they'll also shall, shall remain nameless. Will almost always show that the presidential favorable rating, how people feel about President Trump, is almost I mean without a doubt, it's going to be way out negative. And there's another and there's another poll that's going to be, you know, far more positive. It, do, it doesn't matter what week they're right. doing. It's, it's certain polling organizations ask questions in a certain way to lead to a certain result. Oh
1: yeah, you can skew the questions with little words that people don't even really notice. Yeah. Um, And then you also look at the type of people they're polling, where they're polling, how they're polling, what method they're using, whether it's knocking on doors, calling people. No, I've never been one to actually answer those calls
0: or give a response to those calls. Where do they get, get these? We have the household survey by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. No one's ever called me from the government on that. But, yeah, well, I mean, forever this has been going on. No one's ever called me from a polling organization. Who are these people that get... Have you gotten polled? I mean... I've gotten polled. Uh, gotten you, called but about it. About what?
1: It's uh, a presidential poll. Really? Yeah. What did you have to say? Hung right up. <laughs> Come on. You didn't have to say anything? I didn't. Okay. All right. This is back in probably 2015, 2016. Were you old enough to vote? Um... Probably right on the edge. How yeah, about I don't, that? I don't know. Hey,
0: I mean, look this. I've been voting for years. I tend not to miss an election, and no one's ever asked my opinion on on a darn thing. And in reading, you know, the reason why people don't, why I have, why I'm theorizing why people don't ask for my opinion because I so freely give it. Your thoughts on that, Sam It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I so freely give my opinion when I'm outside of the office because I don't get to have much of an opinion when I am at the house. So that's the reason why I do so. Why but, is that? You well, know, because I uh, I'm second in my house, if not third behind the dog. Uh, but that's just that's just the way it is. That's my lot in life. I, I have uh, that's the way I've, I've worked it out. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah, and taking a look at the midterm elections, keep on coming back to the probable case scenario being being gridlock. No matter and what, that's probably built into the market, wouldn't you well, say? Well, I would say to a With certain With how degree, good those
1: odds are, six and seven, that the Democrats win yeah. the House and lose the Senate.
0: Well, I mean, the thing is, I'm taking a look at it and going, huh. And But, you know, you've heard me say this before. Regardless of what happens in midterm elections, I have always maintained and will always maintain that presidents get too much credit for the good time, or politicians get too much credit for the good times and too much blame for the bad times. The truth is almost always someplace in between. So we're taking a look at these midterm elections. If it does come to pass, as though Sam's talking about, six and seven chance, what have you, nothing's going to come off of Capitol Hill that's going to change anything with last year's tax reform package. Right. Or any sort of rolling back of any sort of regulatory reform. Nothing's going to change. And even if the Democrats were to somehow trip up and win the majority in both houses of the Congress, anything they pass still has to go to the to 1600 to be signed off on and I believe if I'm not mistaken from my civics class you have to have a two thirds majority in order to overturn a presidential veto
1: yeah and, and they're not going to get 67 no, no 66
0: yeah they're just simply not going to get the numbers just don't add up in the Senate right. at all uh, and they certainly don't add up in the uh, in the house. That would be some, something completely beyond the pale mm-hmm. to have that happen. So they can't override a presidential veto in rolling back the tax reform, the regulatory reform, and those are what the markets have really enjoyed, or th- at least that's what the most off given reason why we've had you know decent time. Sure. Um, so I'm kind of taking a look at it. And go. Oh. And then of course there are those headlines out there talking about impeaching the president if the Democrats were to win. Um, but there's there's a difference between impeaching and and removal from office. You would need, as we've a, seen with
1: uh, <laughs> President Clinton,
0: as we've seen with others, and Johnson. I mean, a, a, a century before that, if not more than that. Um, but you need a two-thirds vote of those present in the Senate to remove the president from office. And unless there's just a mass defection of Republicans. Across the board, after the midterm elections, it's very difficult to see anything changing in terms of major policies or procedures between now and 2020. I, I just I I can't see it. Right. So that leads me to believe that not much is going to change, terribly much, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And then, if it does happen that the Republicans were to hold on to the House and were to hold on to the Senate, be albeit with razor-thin majorities. And if they were able to get additional tax reform done, I think, the, I think the scope of the tax reform would be the big thing. I mean, people talked about maybe doing something about the capital gains tax, probably shrinking that 5%, yeah. or doing something addressing the uh, AMT a little bit more. Uh, but I, and I've told you this, Sam, and I've told a lot of groups this, that that'd be fine. That'd be an extra couple of puffs of wind, I guess, in the, in the sales. Uh, maybe prolong or postpone the inevitable. And the inevitable is an economic slowdown of some type. And that is almost always caused, not by economic policy coming out of Capitol Hill, but almost always caused by monetary policy. Right. And so, again, midterm elections, I don't lose any sleep over this stuff. I worry far more about monetary policy than I do politicians. It's not even close. But I come across, and I think you would probably agree with this, I would come across like an egghead, like, like a real dork. If I sit around and try to explain all that stuff, because politics is a heck of a lot more fun for the average person. Than a 25-point basis, basis <laughs> rate high. I
1: don't think that's – it's not exciting to many far, people. Far
0: more, far more interesting. they in there the back and forth between and people trading barbs, uh, tweets, and what have you, than sitting around focusing on things like dots on the wall and uh, the – slope of the yield curve and what have you that's the type of stuff that actually moves the economy right creation of money you know the amount of lending going out the amount of problem loans what have you those are things that drive the economy not necessarily whether or not the Democrats win a midterm election or not so same your thoughts
1: I mean yeah I mean no one no one really wants to just look at a yield curve and Talk about that when <laughs> you can read some tweets, so you can good, so, hear these jabs going it is back and
0: forth. So dry. So dry some of the stuff. And if you had asked me years ago, I mean literally decades ago, when I was sitting around and I was in a fraternity in college, same I think you were too. Uh, different fraternities, different universities, and in much different times. Uh, different centuries, I think. And a matter of fact, different millennia, I believe. Wow. But when I was on the on the patio playing playing cards, typically spades and Tim, I don't mind telling you, drinking some cold beer. I never would have thought that I would be sitting, sitting with you in this padded room. I mean, literally, this padded room is almost like we're, we're, you know, mentally insane, talking about the slope of the Treasury yield curve. I never would have dreamt I'd be doing that. I, I would have thought I would be doing something far more fascinating. <laughs> 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 when it's, pretty you, gloomy wait, when you, it's pretty gloomy when you say it like that. Well, yeah, I mean, the economy kind of is. kind of makes me wonder. You know? But, but you know, the thing is, there are people. But the people that do enjoy talking about it, we, we now love it. And But we also know that this is the type of stuff that moves, moves the economy and not the elections. But the elections are far more fun to talk about, as we've established. What's also fun to talk about are, are lotteries as well.
1: They are pretty fun to talk about. Yeah. I so a good what you're time. saying is we need a little bit more of uh, blinders, I guess, towards... Fun, interesting politics. I, in the I, news. I, I, I look think towards I think would more be of the I, substance I, and the things that I are I actually going to move say, the economy. I like
0: that a lot. I, I agree with you. And the fluff that we consume should be not be out of Washington, but maybe out of one point six billion dollar lottery tickets. That's a lot more to talk about. Yeah, that's a lot more fun to talk about for me than what's going on in Washington. That's pretty fun to talk about. Yeah. So, so what are your predictions, Sam? And this is where we're going to delve off into. Risky territory. Oh, look at you! you just took oh. a deep breath. Just taking What are your predictions for the Before House, the this and the Senate? I mean, keep local, local elections aside. No one cares. About, no one cares about Alabama politics in Iowa. But what are your predictions for the House and the Senate next week?
1: I think Republicans will pick up a few seats in the Senate. Okay. Yeah, I think there's a few elections there in Missouri and uh, McCaskill. See, North Dakota or South Dakota? Yes. One of them. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's a few that might lose their seat, um, but it's not looking good for the House right now. But like we talked about, 2016, I think, broke the polls a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's so difficult for me to envision that. I mean, if I run the numbers uh, literally to figure out what the Democrats would need to do, to not, not just gain control of the majority in the House, but then more importantly, a, a two-thirds majority. And I just, it's so so difficult to get there. I mean, there would have to just be people, Republicans would just, people that typically vote Republican would have to stay home.
1: It's just so interesting, some of the people in the Senate that are expected to keep their house, like Joe Manchin in West Virginia. Yeah. That was Trump's strongest state in yeah. 2016 election. I mean, he blew it out of the water in West yeah. Virginia. And, he, and Manchin is still expected to keep a seat.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see, see what happens because, like, like we've talked about a couple of times, it's hard to trust any of these uh, polls any longer. My personal prediction is very similar to yours, but I'm, I, I'm gonna, I don't think it's going to be the bloodbath in the House for the, uh, for the GOP that a lot of people are
1: thinking. No, I'm with you. I think there's a better there's a lot better chance that the Republicans end up winning the House
0: than them losing the Senate. It took me a second. I'm mean, going slow on the uptick here today. It's a rainy day here in Birmingham. But, you know, after processing that, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. So I would say the big surprise next week wouldn't be if the Democrats, or the biggest chance for a surprise or an upset, or whatever you want to call it, would be not, not that the Democrats get both houses, but that the Republicans keep both houses. And I actually think that that's a, there's a better prospect for that. I do, too. So if the, if the probable case scenario, and I still think the probable case scenario is gridlock, but those folks that are worried about the midterm elections are kind of like going, I, there's really nothing to be worried about.
1: Yeah, and you know, the same polls that we were saying, or I was saying, have about a six and seven per, six and seven chance of the Democrats winning the House. Those are a lot of the same polls that were having Hillary Clinton winning in the 90% chance. Well, that's,
0: uh, that's what I'm talking so, about.
1: Gotta take it with a grain of salt.
0: Well, I think maybe even more than a grain of salt. I think you might need to take that with a whole pound of salt. Maybe a blue container of Morton salt, I think. Same your thoughts? I like that. <laughs> You're not really sure what to think about that. Well, I'm not, bad. but I like it. <laughs> so, elections for me and for us as investors and economists, and you know, just really are not as big a deal as you might have No, we're not
1: taking any action really <laughs> based off predicting midterm elections
0: absolutely not now i will tell you perhaps i would freak out a little bit and this is where i'm running the slippery slope but i don't think so if the Democrats were to get both houses by supermajorities and Bernie Sanders' economic platform were to become the law of the land, I might raise some cash in client accounts. Your thoughts on that, Sam? I'm definitely with you there. <laughs> I
1: don't that know. definitely might have been a slippery
0: slope. Yeah, that, that, that might have been a slippery I tried to phrase that in, in a polite way, but that would be about the only way that I could imagine being turned upside down about elections. Again, going back to my and our, I believe, basic premise is politicians get too much credit for the good times and too much blame for the bad. Politics is fun to talk about, very fun to talk about, and you got to fill up a lot of news channels. 24-7, 365. you got to fill them up. And politics is an obvious fodder filler, or ob- obvious fodder for that canon. However, and starting this and helping us start this company, doing investments for my entire career, I have really never once sat back and said, oh my gosh, what happens if? However, I have focused on monetary policy every single day of my career. And so that's what folks need to be more focused on. But it's boring. To some, to most. <laughs> I think. (laughs) Just giggled right there. Well, guys, that's about it. You know, you'll be getting this on Monday afternoon right before the election. And so if you listen before the election, by all means, go out and vote. Do your civic duty. But at the same time, realize that the world's not going to end. The economy's not going to slip off no slope, nor is it going to shoot to the moon because of anything that happens on Tuesday. Politicians are politicians. And the monetary authority is the monetary authority, and that's what's more important. So with that, we're going to close off here today. I hope everyone has a safe and happy Election Day. I also want to tell folks that, as always, it's now as always, it hasn't always been as always, but now as always, if you send us here at Trading Perspectives a great idea for a future topic, this one was kind of a layup today, but if you give us an idea for a future topic and we use it, you will get a very handsome, I think, Sam, I think they look great, Trading Perspectives t-shirt. And of course, you'll need to send, send us a mailing address so we can put that in the USPS for you. But by all means, keep that out there. As always, now this has always been as always, please refer us to your friends, family, loved ones about this podcast, Train Perspectives, and uh, also refer it to people that you don't like. Just by all means, go out there and refer it. You can also send us an email to trainperspectives at oakworth.com. You can leave us a review on the podcast outlets of our choice. if you are interested in hearing more about what we have to say on the economy, markets, what have you, you can always click on the Thought Leadership tab at oakworthcapital.com and scroll down and see all the many wondrous articles. With that, we're going to sign off today. Sam, say goodbye. See you later. See ya, Y'all take care.